Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Concussion Talk Podcast, episode 140. And I'm talking to... Editor-in-Chief of Journal of Neurotrauma, Dr. Dave, or Dr. They told me to call him Dave Brody, but I'll see Dr. David L. Brody. And, uh, but first, I will, uh, for it, uh, I'll just do the sponsor, Headcheck Health. So, Headcheck Health, various gaps in concussion care through a simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada. We rely on Headcheck. To, to improve communication and optimize care, visit hedgehealth.com for more. And uh, also, just please follow me on social media. Social media. All of it is at Concussion Talk. Um, my website and my website is concussiontalk.com. And you know, it's where you can buy this shirt, which you see Dave really just mentioned. Next day, he would like to buy one. And I think that's amazing. And uh, yeah, so follow me and follow. Rate, subscribe, review, wherever you find podcasts and uh, good pods. And uh, without further ado, I'll talk to Dr. David Birdie or Dave Dave Birdie. So how you how you Dave? Um, so can you just pay, first of all? We'll get first of all talk about the. I'll get you to introduce more of yourself later. But first of all, the uh, the Journal of Neurotrauma. What what is it? Um, who is your target audience? And what what subjects are you covering? Saying you're not late, not as the latest issue, but generally, what subjects do you cover? Well, uh, thanks, Nick. Thanks for the uh, invitation to be on the podcast, first of all, and uh, thanks for a good question. So, Journal of Neurotrauma is uh, published once a month with, uh, and we've been in business for quite a number of years. It's the only major public scientific publication that specializes in neurotrauma. Uh, it covers brain injury, including concussion and spinal cord injury and related topics. It The target audience is mostly scientists and clinicians, although a good number of general people from the general public read it as well. Very well-educated members of the general public also read it. We publish original research papers. We publish review articles covering a broad range of topics. We publish letters to the editor. We publish opinions and editorials. 
And we published the abstracts from the National Neurotrauma Society meeting, which is held once a year. And it's sort of the main forum for our family. I mean, we're a family of scientists and clinicians, and uh, we get together for a family reunion once a year. It's called the National Neurotrauma Society uh, Symposium. And we published the abstracts and proceedings from that. Um, oh. Yeah. So, uh, so I'll just, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead, sorry, go ahead. Oh no! So it's a it's a great publication. It's been a lot of fun. I've just recently joined as the editor in chief. I was. Uh, yeah, yeah, so you just, yeah, John, just joined. Yeah, I joined about two years ago. John Pavlishok was the editor for in chief for many, many, many years, and he retired recently. And uh, he kind of put his hands on my shoulder and said, "Dave, would you take this over?" And I, nice. I said, "Yeah, I guess I will." Yeah, because yeah, he's nice. one of my mentors. So, uh, so I guess we'll have to. To get that window, where did where did he where did he find you about your and know you be interested in being the editor chief of this journal? So what is your what is your background and why are you interested in say brain brain injury? Yeah, so I'm a neurologist and I take care of patients with traumatic brain injuries, including concussions and more severe traumatic brain injuries, even including all the people with disorders of consciousness and coma and vegetative state and things like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And I have been interested in the field for now about 22 years. And um, we have done, my laboratory has done a lot of research in the topic on brain imaging and sports concussion and traumatic brain injury and the risk of Alzheimer's disease and new MRI methods um, and a lot of work in the field. So John Pavlishok asked me to do it, I think, because in the kind of the previous era of Journal of Neurotrauma, most of the research being published was on animal models of traumatic brain injury and spinal cord injury. But in recent years, we've been really shifting towards clinical studies, human patients with imaging, human patients with blood biomarkers, studies of sports concussions, studies of military brain injuries. And I've worked a lot on that topic as well. And so John, I think was interested in having someone who understood both the clinical aspects of traumatic brain injury care and also the scientific aspects of brain injury care. And so um, that's something that I like the interface going back and forth yeah. from bench to bedside and back to the yeah. bench and, and I, things like that. Yeah, so, I've... Uh... Although my size concussion talk, I had a more severe brain injury in 03. So I'm kind of more interested in the, uh, just did a whole of the severe, severe brain injury. I was in a coma for two weeks and, uh, and I had to learn to walk and talk and, and all that stuff again. He was on the side a bit more. But, um, but, uh, what are the trends of minerals? I know you said, you said it moved to animal markers in the, in the, in the good old days, I guess. Mostly those animal pay animal studies, but uh, what have you noticed? What trends have been? Have you noticed that uh, there's like an emerging trend? I know it's probably more towards concussion, but like, but uh, are there are there any trends toward this type of the type of studies? What people, what scientists are looking for, what they found, and what's clinically known. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So there's definitely there used to be a much greater focus on animal models, as I mentioned, and there was a lot of focus on um, more severe forms of of traumatic brain injury, as you uh, you know as you mentioned. Um, those are still really important. We still do a lot of 
great animal studies, publish a lot of great animal studies. We still publish a lot of studies focused on severe brain injuries, but about 80% of the traumatic brain injuries in the world are concussion. And so yeah. we've been focusing on concussions in humans and also animal models of concussion. There's a, one thing that's been a really interesting trend is there's been a lot of interest in repeated concussive and sub-concussive injuries, such as are sustained sometimes by professional athletes, uh, football yeah. players and boxers and hockey players and soccer players, as well as military service members who are exposed to multiple head injuries during their military service. So there's been new animal models in that domain, and then also clinical studies of people that have had multiple repetitive um, head injuries focusing on the short-term effects and also focusing on the long-term neurodegenerative effects. Yeah, the CTE, CT. yeah, that's yeah. right. CTE. Yeah, uh, actually, last, my last podcast, which was now last week, but this podcast will probably come out on the 20th, so it'll be on December 2nd, two weeks ago, um, was a rugby, rugby player from Wales, Welsh rugby player, Alex Popham, who is suffered, who is, who has been diagnosed with dementia, and he's my age. Which is forty two, he's forty three, but yeah, so just just that the whole the uh, Alzheimer's, as you've said, the long long term effects of all of these something because of hits are just thinking contact sports are just not saying contact sports to not say only there, but it's, it's everywhere. But um, what I was going to ask you, but was all these trends are fascinating to me. I find these interesting, but uh, yeah, one thing definitely cannot study, although we've the, the trend is moving towards more like concussive and injuries, but um, and away from say more severe traumatic brain injury. But um, you know, in uh, in animal animal models, you can't study say mental health as you can in in uh, in human studies. So human models. So how so have you noticed? Is there any linkage you can see or you know that between mental health and brain injury that you find the important? Oh, that's incredibly important. Yeah. Um, the links between mental health and brain injury, Nick, are incredibly important. And in fact, in some of the studies that my own lab published, including in the Journal of Neurotrauma, before I was editing the Journal of Neurotrauma, I published my own studies in the Journal of Neurotrauma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we found that one of the strongest correlates of overall quality of life after military concussion whether it was from a blast injury or an impact or a combination of both, was the severity of the depression and severity of the post-traumatic stress symptoms mm. after the brain injury. So when my patients ask me, is it the brain injury or the mental health? It's both. I say, yes, it's both. Yeah. yeah. And it's one plus one makes four. Yeah. It's yeah. worse than the sum of the parts, yeah. unfortunately. Which actually, because in uh, early October, I was on my pockets was Rich, Dr. Richard Tedeschi. I don't know if he runs the Boulder Crest, so he helps, doesn't run it. It's Josh Goldberg who runs it, but he uh, he is a big part of it, of the, the post traumatic growth, which is a, a thing that I found. I found this so fascinating. I found I could relate to a lot of stuff he was saying. But have you, have you found any sort of, do you find people study more? mental health aspect of it or just more the uh said the biomarkers the more clinical is in those getting that game getting better and getting them back and getting their their material fixed their anatomy 
fixed, you know, as opposed to her brain. Have you noticed? I, I think both. I mean, I think we're doing both. Honestly, I think the way to go for we're we're doing a lot of both in the sense that we do great studies, we publish great studies on biomarkers. Yeah. And the biomarkers are really important because let's say somebody comes in and they know they've had that hit on the head, but they're not really sure how severe a brain injury they've had. Right. I mean, they don't have their scans are negative. Um, and they're having all this mental health concerns, depression and post-traumatic stress and anxiety and irritability. And they don't really know whether those mental health concerns are related to their brain injury or not. Then sometimes the biomarker helps. Sometimes they see a biomarker and the levels are very high and they say, oh, wow, I guess I did have a brain injury. Or they see a scan, one of our advanced MRI or advanced PET imaging scans, and they say, oh, wow, I really did have a brain injury. So maybe that's why I'm having so much yeah. irritability and so much depression. And they may approach it a little bit differently than they would as a regular, well, regular, there's no yeah, such thing, yeah, but a non-brain injury related yeah. mental health concern. They may see a neurologist in addition to their psychiatrist, right. or they may do brain injury rehabilitation in addition to their cognitive behavioral therapy. And, uh, and I think, you know, people always ask me, well, what should I treat first, the traumatic brain injury or the mental health concern? And I say both, you need yeah. to get both of them treated together. Yeah. Okay. So, when I was doing my, the first, I was like, probably my, in the, within the first year of my, I was doing this podcast, I was interviewing somebody from the university in Ontario who was studying blood biomarkers for a concussion. And I was wondering, I said, never, I'd, I'd never heard of this before. This is in 2015, 2016. And, uh, but now well, her biomarkers are a big thing. So, uh, but that's just, just still, it's just still like, Nascent, nascent phases is still very early on. So, but do uh, doctors like neurologists like yourself to do take these biomarkers to be proof or to be, or what? Well, first of all, I guess to kind of combine that with all what are biomarkers and what are the biomarkers looking at? Yeah, yeah, thank you, Nick. I mean, so what do people need by a biomarker? A biomarker is really anything that you can measure biologically, like an objective measurement. Yeah. And that could be a, you draw some blood and you measure some proteins in the blood. It could be an imaging study like an MRI or a PET scan. Um, it could be a physiological biomarker, like the way your pupils constrict to light or the way your eyes move. Those are all biomarkers. They're objective biological markers of brain injury. Sometimes when people say biomarkers, what they really, they mean a shorthand for blood biomarkers or fluid yeah. biomarkers. Like you might mean saliva biomarker or cerebrospinal fluid biomarker or blood biomarker or sweat biomarker. So fluid biomarkers are especially attractive because they're so easy. It's easy to acquire those fluids. How do you acquire cerebrospinal fluid? Oh, uh, cerebrospinal fluid, you get that with a lumbar puncture. Oh, so, so it's like if it's a surgery, then okay. It's not a surgery. It's just no? a really small, thin needle that really? goes in the lower back. Huh. And it's super easy. People are scared of no, getting it. But it's nothing to be scared no, of. So no. in the United States, That's we're cool. scared of it. But like in Europe, my colleagues in Europe do cerebrospinal fluid acquisitions, uh, lumbar punctures on hockey players right straight out of concussion. Oh, 
Wow. And um, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's very straightforward. Good, um, good. So yeah, we do it all the time. It's it's really no big deal. It, it has gotten a bad reputation, which yeah. is unfortunate because it's really very useful. Yeah. Um, I've had one myself. So I volunteered to have one just to oh. kind of demonstrate that it was no big deal. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was interrupted you when you talking about biomarkers. And then that's a really good question. Yeah. Yes, just, do neurologists like really take those as proof of concussion, or do you take them as more indication that potentially the person may have to do some more tests, but we'll see kind of thing, or is it more of a it has to be in the right context. So, yeah. like let's say somebody you the diagnosis of concussion or brain injury or traumatic brain injury is a clinical diagnosis. There has to be an acute event, you know, something has yeah. to happen to you, you know, a car accident or a fall or a blast or a sport yeah. hit. Um, you have to have an acute physical force applied to the brain. And then you have to have some neurological consequences, either unconscious or amnesia or some other change in neurological status. You remember the fencing response. Yeah. And, uh, you remember the all people off balance and nice. things like that. Um, so some kind of change in neurological status. So, but sometimes people have those things and you're still not quite sure. And so yeah. the blood biomarker can be really useful for determining whether you have had maybe there's nothing maybe you were fine or maybe it's really bad and you need to get zipped over and get a ct scan right away maybe it's more severe than you thought and so you need a ct scan um and so it's always interpreted in the context of the clinical story because these blood biomarkers or fluid biomarkers can go up even in other conditions. So if you have a small stroke or if you have Alzheimer's disease or if you have multiple sclerosis or Lou Gehrig disease, yeah. some of the same biomarkers go up. So they're not specific for traumatic brain injury. They just say that the brain has been good. In indication that the brain has been traumatized. That's right. The brain has been traumatized, but yeah. lots of things can cause the brain to be traumatized. And so you have to understand it in the context of the clinical scenario. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. That doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah. It makes sense to listeners as well. Um, yeah. And so you 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 also this is kind of away from what we're talking about. David, uh, do you do yourself publish in or submit papers to the Journal of Neurotrauma? Uh, um, I, I do. Yes. Uh, it's the best journal for the field. And so when I have two really terrific deputy editors, Alex Faladka and Dalton Dietrich, and if I'm publishing myself right. or if one of my colleagues is publishing yeah. somebody that I have a conflict of interest with, yeah, right. then I ask my two deputy editors to handle it and oh. I stay out of it. So okay. no conflicts of interest. So yeah, I actually just had a paper accepted relatively recently. To and what draw. what are what topics do you do submit on? Do you talk on obviously brain injury? But I mean, what topics brain injury? Yeah, I mean, so recently we've been doing some studies about the U.S. military about blast injuries in the U.S. military, and we've been doing some studies about advanced MRI methods, better ways to take pictures of the brain. And we published pretty recently a new treatment for depressive symptoms related to traumatic brain injury. So we took some of my patients from my clinic and yes. we applied a new method called transcranial magnetic stimulation to the brain to try to treat their symptoms of depression. 
and it worked pretty yeah. well. We published that in Journal is, of is, is that used in like epilepsy or there's a mm -hmm. there's some of that it, used in epilepsy? Yep. It can be used in epilepsy. It can be used in headache. It can be used in obsessive compulsive disorder. But the actual FDA approval is for yeah. depression, depressive symptoms. Okay. okay. Yeah. And that, and so so just I'm just getting more inside baseball on this whole this blasting increase, but is that just waves? He's running the concussion rain, is it or is it just a when you get knocked out, knocked back or hit a wall or your head? You mean you're talking about a blast injury? Yeah. Yeah. So usually it's both. Yeah. Um, so usually the wave, the blast wave hits you and it moves through your brain and oh, can so stretch and damage the brain. Oh, wow. And also the person gets thrown across yeah. and smacked up against a wall. Uh. And maybe the vehicle that they're in will crash and they'll hit yeah. their head. Yeah. And maybe they something a building collapses around them. So you're searching, you're trying to find out what the what the what the worst impact is, or is like the blast any less severe than say? Right, it's hard to tell because the different severities of of the crashes against your head hitting something. But how severe is the uh, is the blast? Can get the waves hitting your brain. Yeah, it's a good question. We actually don't know the answer to that. And it's really hard to figure out. Exactly. Because it's uh, it's really hard to figure out. We've mostly been focusing on the kind of the whole package, the whole combination. Yeah. Yeah. And what's wrong with the folks and how can we fix them? How can we help them get better? And tracking their outcomes over a longer period of time. So, so we kind of take the whole package all at once. Now, there's some. this is a good place for animal studies, and some of the animal studies yeah. are helping sort that out about how much is effective a blast and how much is effective an impact injury. Um, but the pure blast injuries where there's nothing except for blast are very, very rare in humans. Yeah, so it's that, yeah. pretty hard to tell uh, how that goes. Now, one thing that is going on that's pretty interesting is that a lot of military service members who are practicing firing heavy weapons, they get exposed to a relatively modest blast, not enough to knock them out or cause a really serious brain injury, but they feel a little stunned and a little off balance and a little quite not quite right after they fire these weapons with that kind of that blast. And especially if they fire a lot of them, if they've been firing a yeah. lot of these weapons in training. And so there's a big study that's ongoing. Do we don't have results yet? But yeah. there's a big study that's ongoing to try to figure out what the long-term effects of those repeated sub-concussive blast exposures are going to be. Okay. Yeah. 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 Do a lot of those, like when I'm sure training, you do like thousands or hundreds, less hundreds of these and just, yeah, do some potentially. Yeah. I mean, the question is, is it kind of analogous to the big hits that football players take yeah. when they just get hit after hit after hit? Each one, they do okay. They recover yeah. from each one okay. But if they get hundreds or, like you said, maybe thousands, are yeah. they going to not be okay? Yeah. It was that just a very interesting and important topic. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. The military is really interested in that. I noticed you had, I looked on, your web, on the website, the Journal of Roshan, and uh, you have a lot of uh, contributors and and people who work on the editors in different countries and different in Europe and Canada in South America or not the anti-tires and shitters in there, which is all over the world. But uh have you noticed that there's different focus in different countries, different areas of the world? Is there like a different between say your editor in China? Was he would he look at different more different subjects than 
together in Germany. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's a great question, Nick. I mean, so we really do think the Journal of Neurotrauma is an international journal. It's a whole yeah. international family of, of neuroscience yeah. and neurotrauma researchers. Uh, one of the things I've tried to do is to encourage more papers and more editorial team members from Europe and South Africa and uh, and China. Um, and so we, uh, I have to say there's the, China is the big growth area. Yeah. The number of neurotrauma papers coming out of China is really going up. Um, it was not a particularly popular topic in China 10 years ago. And now, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're, it's, it's really very popular. The, uh, the Chinese researchers are publishing a lot of good papers, higher quality every year is better than the year before. Oh. And um, one of the things that the, the has been going on in, in China, which is really neat to see, is really large studies with large sample yeah. size, large numbers of people, because in their system, they have specialized hospitals that see a lot of neurotrauma patients, um, plus just enormous cities at a yeah. scale that's unimaginable here in the United States or in Europe. Yeah. So some, some really nice 
good, powerful, large studies coming out of China. Very, very good quality studies, better, better, better every year. Um, there's also a lot of good animal work coming out of China, a lot of good mechanistic animal work that Dr. Gao, had, our editor, has been uh, helping to refine and promote. So, you know, we were talking about there's not as much animal studies as there used to be. Well, there are still plenty of animal studies yeah, and, they're really yeah. good, and they're good quality coming out of, uh, of China. Um, Europe has been doing terrific work. Our European colleagues have been doing really great work. One of the things I really like about our the European groups is that they have, there's a, a group called Center TBI, which is a, a multinational, multidisciplinary group where they publish studies where they have many, many countries in Europe that are all teaming up together to do research in neurotrauma. And so you get to see, you know, the whole span of neurotrauma research across the whole continent. And so, so I'm really proud of our European colleagues for that organizational uh, uh, activity. And we love publishing those, those papers from Center TBI. And, yeah. you know, lots of great researches, uh, lots of great uh, neurotrauma research all over Europe. So is there, is there say, a trend in, say, uh, in China now? Is there a trend in, in China as, as to where TBIs are most prevalent or and where and what the effect, what the long-term effects, or I don't know, long-term, how long-term, long-term analysis don't get, but I mean, what are what are the longer-term symptoms and, and what are the areas where they, they see more TBIs? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Nick. So so first of all, it's all over China. I counted up, uh, you know, the the numbers of centers that are publishing good work in China. There's 46 yeah. different centers. I found at least 46 different centers in China wow. that are doing neurotrauma research. So it's it's really all over China. Just about every city, every academic medical center in China is doing yeah. neurotrauma research. So yeah, it's really all over the place. Um, as far as mechanisms, I mean, as you know, China has industrialized very quickly and it has yeah. a lot more drivers and a lot more cars oh. and a lot more traffic. Yeah. So there's a lot more traffic accidents related oh. to trauma, uh, related to neurotrauma in China. And also the Chinese population is getting older. And so yeah. as older individuals are having more falls. And so it's it's actually becoming a lot like neurotrauma in the United States and Europe, where it's mostly motor vehicle accidents yeah. and falls. The one exception, I mean, the two differences, right, is that China does not have a very active, has not been at war. The Chinese have not yeah. been at war. And so they don't have the blast related war injuries that we have. Yeah. And there's not as much sports related concussion. Uh, there's not a lot of vigorous contact sports, uh, yeah. collision sports with sport related concussions in China. So those we have not seen really. Okay. But yeah. you do see them in, uh, in some in Europe and like, like soccer and rugby and and yeah. those sports, but um, definitely in rugby and soccer in the United States and in Canada and in Australia yeah. and in, in Europe. Uh, yeah, we definitely see sports related concussions. Sweden, for example, is really strong in publishing really? great sport related concussion papers oh. on, on hockey players. Those are some of the best papers that we've published in Journal of Neurotrauma have been Swedish hockey players. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you the. Uh... Have you, have you noticed that there's like a, a trend of say of where most concussion you say because eighty percent of the branches are concussions. So and, and you'd say, what is there a trend towards what's what area that is what what the what mechanism is is on the rise and what's on decline in that. In yeah, I mean, that's hard to say. Uh, I don't know, really. But I mean, yeah. concussion, everything causes concussion, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. 
the most common thing is, again is car accidents. Okay, it's just and the second most common is falls. Right. And then no matter, sport, where, no matter where you are. Yeah. And then sports is in there and assault, unfortunately. One yeah. of the areas, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the areas that we don't even know how common it is is intimate partner violence. Yes, I did. You did a podcast on that last year. And I think that we're doing earlier, earlier this year is or last year, anyway, last year. But yeah. Yeah, I think that's just very important. That's really annoying. I know there's a team in, in BC and in Toronto that study that, study that, unfortunately, that area that's unknown. And sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. For no, you're exactly right. I mean, we just started publishing papers about that topic recently. We haven't had much in the past. We'd like to publish more on that. We we actually, I mean, I think it's a really underexplored topic. And uh, I think it needs, we think we need to do a lot more work in that area. But we just don't know. Um, so we, we yeah, we'd like to see a lot more yeah. papers in that domain. Yeah, no, and I know there's a researcher in Angela Colantonio. I'm going to pronounce your name quickly, but in Toronto, and there's another one in Harvard that's also does a lot of work in there, and that's, I think that's very important. Of course, there's Pink and Good, and she does a lot of work on females and brain tree, and so I think that's important too. But uh, what areas have you, so I, so I encourage those people to reach out to or submit their articles if they feel they have some to journal neurotrauma? Yep, absolutely. And, and uh, like, like they want to publish more and get that fresh out there. I think it's very important. So um so you said so for uh, for your for your uh you studied a lot of uh, Marine, uh US Army uh mechanism mechanism ministry, like blasts and and uh do do you do you do you uh study only training or training or combat or both or do you think one is more Let's say culpable, but one is more. One maybe it may be better, I guess, to study, easier, easier, not better, but easier to study a training injury than a than a than an injury from from war zone because of the the uh, PSTTSD, or is that is that is that true? Or am I saying that big enough? Yeah, those are, those are good questions. So certainly when we were, when the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan were very um, active, we were seeing a lot of concussions from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. We did some research in Landstuhl Regional Medical Center in Germany. A lot of the folks were being evacuated from Iraq and Afghanistan to Landstuhl. And we did a lot of research at Landstuhl, Germany. Um, we did some research at three different centers in Afghanistan. And, uh, and that was really interesting. Now, in 2022, there's not that many concussions, not that many injuries occurring overseas. So most of the concussions that we're studying now in the military are occurring during training. Um, there's always been a lot of concussions during training, but that's where the kind of a biggest focus is right now. Um, and, and in addition, the subconcussive blast injuries during training are another another big area of focus. So um yeah, that, that's I would say that's probably the the area where we're going now. I mean, we certainly hope that we are not going back to a wartime footing. And but if if we do, we'll be relatively well prepared now with the experiences that we've had to yeah. uh, to do that kind of research. So yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll see what the future so, brings. Uh, 
as we finally the 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 safety in these long term effects of propane even maltratic or even something because of its um I, I assume they, they we think now they require because we 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 assume now they're only observable after only only diagnose CT after someone's died and uh end up which I mean you'd think with the Alzheimer's being able to observe as the Alzheimer's dementia and the plaque before then before while the people are obviously living think that maybe there's some way to get to recognize the CT in a living person, but uh, of course that's study, but these, I assume it's otherwise just a longitudinal studies of like 20 years, 10 years, whatever. Yeah, I mean, sometimes longitudinal studies. So like, for example, my colleagues uh, are doing the 10 year follow up of some of the people that we saw in launch tool. And uh, that's pretty interesting to see those long term studies. There's been some really terrific long term studies from the Vietnam War, where we're seeing, you know, again, the long term follow up of people that were injured in the Vietnam War. And those are those are pretty fascinating studies to see those long term impacts, uh, yeah. those long term effects. Yeah. Um, the uh the 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 um but even though we can't diagnose cte in a living person right now yeah we can still treat the Symptoms. concerns that people may have so like like i'll say to like i've seen lots of national football players league players retired football league players and i'll say look i don't know whether you have cte or not and i'm not in any rush to find out because yeah. your brain you're still using your brain but yeah. You're having trouble sleeping after your head injuries. I can treat your trouble sleeping. Okay. You're having headaches. I can treat your headaches. Right. You're having trouble concentrating. I can treat your attention deficit. You're having problems with your mood. I can treat your mood problems. So I don't know whether you have CTE or not, but I can help you get you get you better. That's a that's certainly being encouraging to a lot of people. And yeah. uh, so what? Finally, finally, it's my final question. It's the I know you can't really say which which paper you like the most because your editor in chief can't really be biased that way. But like, what what exciting trends? What exciting? Uh, say, I'm trying to find out right what is say exciting trends in in traumatic brain injury research. But like, is there something on the horizon that you find to be very very exciting, or is it all just a mess of not a mess, but like a conglomeration of exciting new research coming out. I think the thing that's most important to me as editor-in-chief is quality. Yeah. So we're pushing hard for rigor, reproducibility, and transparency. It doesn't matter what field you're working on. We want the best quality science that we can do. We want to make sure that the science is done with the highest standards of rigor and the highest standards of reproducibility and the highest transparency. So when you read that paper, you know exactly what they did and exactly what they found. It's completely transparent. And we want it to be really reproducible. So if somebody else did that same experiment or somebody else analyzed your same data, they would come to the same conclusion. Right. Sadly, a lot of things that are published in the scientific literature turn out to be not that reproducible. Yeah. You know, yeah. They turn out not to be always exactly correct. Yeah. That's, that's unfortunate. But uh, that's it's unfortunate. That's how, that's, that's how science works now. Progress is made. So uh, thank you so much for coming on to be on this podcast. And uh, well, seriously, first of all, is, is there anything else you'd like to 
say you've had the paper about your your research, someone else's research, or the journal itself? Um, you asked a lot of great questions. Submit your best papers to any to on any aspect of traumatic brain injury, and we promise we will give them a fair review. We'll review them quickly, and uh, we will hold you to high standards. We'll send them out for good review. We will we'll, we will help work with you to make your paper better. And by the time you're done, it'll be even better because the reviews are really good. The editors or editorial team is really helpful. And uh, that's what it's all about. It's about advancing knowledge exactly. that will improve outcomes for people with neurotrauma. I think this is very important. Thank you so much. I think that's a great, great way to end this podcast. And thank you so much. And I think this was a wonderful promotion for the, for the journal. And I think I encourage everyone, any researcher or any researcher who wants to publish a paper about traumatic brain injury, I feel that they should reach out to Journal of Neurotrauma to do so. And I know, if you look on the website, they have a lot of great uh, great editors across the world. So there's really, it's not just in North America. It's all over in Europe, it's in Asia, it's in South America, it's in everywhere. So uh, please just reach out to David and thank you so much, David. Dr. Dr. David L. Brody, or David, thank you, Dave, Dave, for being being on the podcast. All right, thanks again. Thanks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to eighty percent less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.